Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I'm just grumping around. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. We can feel all the feels. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Going to lunch in the city is a ridiculous prospect. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. I know I'll feel great when I'm done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about rebuilding our friendships after this super, super weird time. <laughs> it's a lot. It's weird for it to be, have happened. And it's I'm finding it extremely weird for it to be ending. Yeah, exactly. Can I tell you what my number one symptom is this week? Symptom of the moment? Okay, yes. Yeah, my current symptom, my current life symptom is like... My nephew used to have an expression when he was in a bad mood. You'd say, Greg, how you doing? And he'd say, I'm fine. I'm just grumping around. (laughs) And I'm just grumping around. I don't know. We had a family wedding. It was really fun. It was super social. I was so excited to be seeing people like drinking a cocktail, beautiful outdoor location. It was great. And now I'm back and I'm like... A troll under a bridge. I'm very agitated. And you loved it. I mean, you had an incredible experience. You were talking to people. We talked about it last week. But now you're sort of like, leave me alone, everybody. I think it's like, I don't know if it was a glimpse of heaven. And now I feel like I'm back to Shawshank. Like, I think it was. And also, I don't really have any more plans. Like a wedding was like, they set the date. They were like, we're going to try and see if we can do it. And I don't know what is with me, but I am grumping around. I have some thoughts for you. I have some expert advice. Oh, I need some stuff. And I'm like, I miss people. I hate people. I don't want to do anything. I want to do all the things. It's like looking at the Cheesecake Factory menu. It's like, I'm hungry, but none of these 800 meals sound good to me. I actually want nothing, right? I can't. This is I'm overwhelmed by the bounty. And yet I'm hungry and annoyed (laughs) to be hungry. But like, if I have to choose between pancakes and like fettuccine Alfredo, I'm going to have to leave. I can't. Nothing sounds right to me. (laughs) You sound like my son who like, can we have something I like for dinner? And it's like, well, what would you like? Not this stuff. Like not stuff that sucks. Oh, not chicken. Your son (laughs) and I are totally simpatico. I'm like, can I have something I like to live And then you're like, how about putting on a bra and going out for cocktails? And I'm like, no, that sounds horrible. 
Sounds weird. Well, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for a reset and a reset is exhausting. But Arthur Brooks, he wrote this article for The Atlantic called a once in a lifetime chance to start over. And I think that's why this is overwhelming because it is it's huge. We can't just be like, okay, go back to the way things were. Like there are people who I saw every day and 16 months later, I literally haven't spoken to them. So I guess we're not friends anymore. Not in a bad way. Just know like, okay, I guess I'm not picking that relationship back up because it just sort of floated away and that's okay but it's weird and can i just take a moment and say to arthur slow your roll arthur like i don't need on top of it to know that this is my once in a lifetime opportunity well he writes for the atlantic about pointing yourself towards happiness so it's a sort of like you can look at it this way or you can look at it that way he's just saying i think that this is as big a deal as you think it is you're hiding under there from the cheesecake factory overwhelmingness of the world like yeah it is overwhelming but you can also look at it as a reset, even though it's overwhelming. Okay, I'm going to try to be positive. I'm a little bit like, Arthur, go take a long walk off a short pier. But I'm trying to keep my mind and heart open. But I'm not in a good place. And I'm just going to say that right now. All right. Here's why it's hard, right? So the pandemic and the sort of quasi-ending pandemic now, like it shrank our social circles. Correct. First for real reasons, right? Like we were literally stuck inside. And for reasons that have become more metaphorical, like I was saying before, like, it's weird now. Like, do I, should I make plans with the people down the street that I actually haven't really bothered to check in with? So I guess we're not <laughs> friends. And do you like, is that weird? Like, sorry, I haven't reached out to you. I was overwhelmed. That's weird, right? I really like the expression, I guess we're not friends. It's like, oh, I guess we're not friends. <laughs> but we were drained that we didn't have the bandwidth. I'll give you another article. Anna Goldfarb. She wrote an article for the New York Times. All right, Anna, you better do better by me than Arthur. Come on. All right. She wrote an article for the New York Times called How to Deal with a Friendship Quiet Season. She wrote this last fall, like when we were just in it. We were heading into the like, looks like nobody's going anywhere for the holidays. It's going to get worse before it gets better time. Do you remember that? I mean, we were all in it. I definitely remember it. I just was thinking someone posted something there like a year ago today and it was something from May and I kept thinking, what was a year ago? Like it was that whole dead year was just so surreal. You know what my son said last night? He's like, it's like you have to be an Avengers fan to get this reference. But he's like, it's after the snap. I'm not an Avengers fan. In one of the movies, I believe the character of Thanos, I'm not as dialed in. My son, his head would explode if he heard me trying to describe this. He snaps his fingers and like half of the world disappears. And then... In some other movie, that part of the world comes back. And he's like, I feel like we're back after the Thanos snap. And I said, that's about as good a metaphor as we get for this. Right. I guess that's it. Like the world went into a frozen time and now we're back. But a year, exactly. Like we were, I was dealing with serious stuff at my house. My close friends were dealing with serious stuff at their house. And you had enough bandwidth for like a text, like, how are you guys hanging in there? How are you? But there was no, at least in my life, there wasn't a lot of bandwidth for small talk. Because there was serious stuff happening and I don't want to get on and talk about Real Housewives. I didn't have time for it, but I definitely also didn't have the energy for it. And I yeah. felt bad about that sometimes, but I was hiding. I wasn't in the mood for investing in my friendships, even though they would have sustained me during these difficult times. Yeah, I also I think the crux of what I'm feeling is it's time to go back to life. And yet I'm not in the mood. <laughs> right. Like people keep saying to me, how are you? And I'm like, I'm very medium. Mm -hmm. Some days I'm low medium. Some days I'm high medium. But I'm medium. 
That's okay. I guess it is. But it feels, I think it's, we were saying a couple of weeks ago that you went from having nothing to do in the weekends to like, then like one or two things. And then this weekend, I might have four things to do this weekend. And it's just like, overwhelmed. Nope. Too much to do. I used to do 18 things in a weekend for me to say tilt. Now it takes like four. We are deconditioned in our social skills and our availability and our bandwidth. And so it feels overwhelming. I think it's okay that it feels overwhelming, but I think we can, with like a little intentionality, sort of build this back up in the way that we want to. And I have a child who on a very early preschool evaluation or, you know, note home or whatever it was, the evaluation said, struggles with transitions. And my sister-in-law, who runs a school, said, oh, you'll be reading that on his high school transcripts. Like, that's a thing that stays with kids. Mm. Like, kids who have trouble transitioning, that tends to stay. And I think I am in hates transitions right now. Yes. I like doing what I'm doing. If I'm on my couch binging Netflix because we can't go anywhere and making muffins, that's what I like. And if I'm going out every night and having fun dinners and hanging with friends, that's what I like. But I don't like this phase of, like leaving the couch to go to the dinners. I like both of the things. I don't like the transition. I think that friendships are worth investing in like for ourselves, but they're voluntary, right? So that they fall in line behind checking on your mom, checking on your kids, you know, keeping everything going. I think just like we kind of put ourselves last, like, oh, I really should take more bubble baths because I love them, but who's going to do that? Right, nobody. Blair on Toddler Purgatory told a hilarious story about during a pandemic low for her was she poured an entire bubble bath and she'd bought all the like lotions and potions to go in it. And then she just put her feet in it and then she just started crying because she was too tired <laughs> to get in the bubble bath. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like self-care is a chore in and of itself as are female friendships. Yes, so then I think there's a lot of, here's what it is. I think there's a lot of agitation as we enter the world because it's like, oh, I'm so bad at this. Oh, I have just let my friendships wither. But I think that feeling is pretty universal. Like, yes, how do I talk? What do I do? Also, I'm a horrible person that I haven't called any of these people in a year and a half, but they're probably feeling the same way. And also, I'm going to say that we've lost our infrastructure on this, which is important. Yes. I don't have a babysitter. You know, I don't have a set of parameters about going out. And so that is a whole other thing. My husband was just talking about one, he has to do something for work. And I said, well, maybe I'll come with you. And then I'm like, the amount of infrastructure I would have to build up to go away with you is just ridiculous. Let's just skip it. You know, it just, right. it all feels like a heavy lift, a heavy lift. So let's talk about some of the ways that the friendships of the last year, the things that we've missed out on, because there's categories that I think are actually really interesting when you stop and think about them. I like it. I could use it. I'm going to quote Catherine Pearson here. She wrote an article for HuffPost that was called, Moms have held everything together this past year except their friendships. Well said, Catherine. Yeah. And so she said that the pandemic just sort of erased certain entire categories of friends. And I thought this was really enlightening and interesting. So she says like the once a month lunch friends are pretty much, they were gone. Now they're back if you want them to be back. But that feels hard, like even like who do you pick and in what order, that the looser ties have been sundered. And there's actually benefits, psychologists say, to those sorts of friendships. Like it's just you're in touch with your three friends and don't worry about anybody else. But those small, casual friendships are also useful. So Marissa Franco, she's a psychologist, and she explains that when you're around different people, that friend you see once a month for lunch, that like funny woman at yoga, whatever it is, 
these people that you have casual relationships with bring out different parts of you. Like I'm a different person with the yoga woman than I am with the mom from school. I am. And so each of those different ties we have, I'm going to quote Dr. Franco here, each different tie that we have makes us know and feel ourselves more deeply and feel more rich and full as people. So it, when we lost these once a month lunch friends with people we just kind of think are cool from different parts of our lives, we lost those parts of ourselves. Doesn't that make sense? Yes, agree. And it's also, it's helping me realize that the hurdle for me is the part of going to this wedding. I had to pack a bag, put makeup in the bag, have a shoe that matched the outfit I was going to wear, get on a train. And I just found it so insurmountable. I could not believe it. Like, how would I possibly do this? And I have a friend who we've been texting. We're texting friends, but like a very, very close friend of mine and someone who I adore. Like every minute with her is just a good minute. She's hilariously funny, amazingly smart. And we have been texting like, we can't wait to be together. And like, when are we going to get together? Sorry, once in the pandemic outdoors, but we live far apart and whatever. And we've been trying to have lunch. And we kept saying all through the pandemic, like, I think it's April that we can get together. I think it's April. And now it's May and we haven't gotten together. And it's because both of us are just having trouble getting over the hurdle of like, this will involve getting on a train and drive, you know, going into the city and meeting up (laughs) for lunch. And that just seems like an absurd proposition. And we're both double vaccinated. It's not fear of going into the city or doing that. It's just like... It seems like an absurd idea to do it somehow. It's a little like frog and toad overthinking thing. You know, those frog and toad books. I forget which one. I think it's toad who's kind of the overthinker and frog who is sort of like, I think it's going to be okay, toad. He's more chillax. Yeah, yeah. But we're all toad, right? Your friend is also toad. So like, let's just keep texting for a little while. There's a Twitter account that just randomly... Post lines from Frog and Trode. It's remarkably applicable to every moment of your life. I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah. It's incredible. You have to look at it. Like, we'll post a link to it because it's just like every day is like, yeah. Toad thought about it and then decided he didn't want to. And like, yes, Toad is all of us right now. Toad, Toad is all of us. That's exactly what I was trying to say. And it's been hard for me to quantify what that thing is of like dying to see my friend texting for a year about how much we can't wait to get together. And then like six weeks since we've both been vaccinated, we still haven't gotten together. That's the crux of what we're talking about. I want to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about like why the texting friends are a special kind of thing that did stick around. Okay. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. 
Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. So the news wasn't all bad, right? For during the pandemic, there was one kind of friendship that kind of did stick around. I'm going to quote now. Dr. Marley Bauer. She's a loneliness researcher at the University of Sydney, Australia. She must have had a... Oh, Marley, what a life. She was busy last year researching loneliness. Yeah. She was like, my, I am on my full strength on my home planet. I am a loneliness researcher during the pandemic. So she pointed out that when social interactions moved online for all of us, a lot of relationships did not thrive, did not, you know, survive that transition very well. They just, they went on pause, went into deep freeze. But the people who are really good at communicating online, that thrived. So people expressed having sort of better, deeper kind of, or at least just the same. Like my friend who lives in London, we, we text just as much as we used to. And I actually feel really connected to her that person you already had the texting relationship with. And in some cases, you discovered that your, you know, the fun mom from yoga actually is really like accessible and funny and warm over text and you develop that relationship. But maybe like your sister's bad at it. Your sister forgets to check her phone. Your sister doesn't text you back. Your sister doesn't love Facebook, you know. And so some people just don't really like communicating online or aren't particularly good at it or punctual about it. Yeah. And those are friendships that withered a little bit just because they don't like texting. So you didn't see your friend down the street, but your friend in San Francisco, you're fully up to date on like how our Saturday went. I am having a revelation as we talk about this. And it's something that like I have been in this weird place and it's helping me to think about it. I think there's a, my best friend and I have been texting. Oh, we should set up a phone call. We should set up a phone call. Again, it's been like three weeks. We just haven't done it. Like, I think there's a weird heaviness to stuff we've put down and that it feels like if you do one thing, you're going to set off a chain of events that's going to do all the things and that it feels very insurmountable to me right now to do any of the things mm -hmm. that I've been like, I mean, I said another episode, it's like Stockholm syndrome, but like I've gotten used to my warm cocoon and I can go out and come back. I just did for four days at like a crazy big event, but now I'm not happy in the cocoon, but I don't want to go outside. Like I'm kind of stuck right now. And I think I have to just start picking things up one at a time and being like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. 
But that's why the texting thing has been so great, you know, for some of us, for people who like doing it, right? That sort of asynchronous, like, I gotcha is like, I have a friend who loves to talk on the phone and I just don't. I would rather check in, you know, that way because you can do it when you're in a good mood. You can do it when you're not. You can do it when you have five minutes. You can do it when you have 20 minutes and maybe it'll turn into a conversation. It feels like less of a heavy lift to me, but it means that this friend who likes to talk on the phone and I haven't been in the mood to have a long phone conversation for most of the last 16 months, that affects our friendship. Yeah. And you can fix it. I mean, I can feel like a little bad about that and then decide to lean into that as things get better and see this person more. But you see what I'm saying? It never occurred to me, like for people who like texting, this was good. But if your sister doesn't like texting, then you lost touch with your sister. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think it's just a huge inertia problem, which is like the object at rest stays at rest. And that's the thing. Like Mm -hmm. to go to the city for a lunch on a Wednesday used to be part of my week where like Monday I took the kids and then at night I had dinner and then Tuesday I had book club and I had to get the kids to soccer before going to book club. And then Wednesday I would go to the city and have dinner, come home. But I'd already made the lasagna. It's in the fridge. Like, but now... Having a nothing schedule and going to lunch in the city is a ridiculous prospect to me because (laughs) there's no, the object is at total rest and it feels like pushing against a boulder versus like keeping the boulder rolling, right? Right. That makes a lot of sense to me and I hadn't quite thought of it that way. That's why it feels like such a huge obstacle. Like I am an object at rest and getting moving again Seems really, really hard. And I have one friend who during the pandemic, we walked a lot every day and like, we'll like grab lunch. And then I have another friend who's like, oh, we should go to lunch. And I'm like, I guess. I don't know. Like, it's like, (laughs) I feel like the things that have been in motion, I'm fine with like the hum of that, but getting stuff going. Ooh. You know, just like you had your pod, you kind of had your friendship pod, right? Which not your podcast, your pod, your quarantine pod. Exactly. Your quarantine pod, right? Like these two families decide their kids can play together. It's like these three friends are up to date on my, you know, father-in-law's health and my, you know, kids' school refusal, whatever the huge issues that you dealt with in this past year, because of course you had some. You have friends who are sort of grandfathered in who know the stories. And then it's, yeah, it feels like I can't talk about that or I don't want to. And then I don't want to talk about, like I said, like, you know, I was going to say, where are you going on vacation this summer? Nowhere, because everything's still maybe closed and maybe I shouldn't. Like, it's exhausting. Yeah, it feels like a lot. But I think I will say my son had a birthday. Last year, he had pandemic birthday. So we had people drive by and we had set up chairs. And so one of his friends came at a time and they sat on opposite sides and chatted, which didn't go great because they're 10 and they didn't really want to chat. But now they sit on the wall. These are the same kids who sit on the wall. You need like a contest. (laughs) These are the kids who sit on the wall. So it's weird. But like still, if you like sat them in two chairs, they would have nothing to say to each other. But if they sit on the wall, they could do it for hours. And so his birthday came around and I thought to myself, what are we going to do? Should I try to get like, you know, a bunch of people have had the ice cream truck comes and everyone has an ice cream and goes home. But we have a yard. We have a pretty large yard. And I just invited a couple of his friends. I wrote my child's name in chalk, happy birthday on the driveway. I had no balloons. I had drinks, sodas, and we got a taken pizza. And we just let the kids run in the backyard together, fully masked for an hour and a half. And it was really cute because they were like, it was Lord of the Flies. It was the most insane. At some point, I just was like, I'm just going to let him run wild. 
not bother them. They're 11 now. At some point, we had cans in the um, cooler, and immediately they were <laughs> lobbing cans at each other's heads, like, and throwing them against the trees and stuff. I mean, they were like... They have also forgotten how to interact with peers. They have forgotten <laughs> how to interact as human beings. But let me tell you, it involved a lot. And I had to really like, okay, you can throw water on each other, but you can't throw Capri Sun on each other. Like I was making these wild rules as they figured out different ways to be absolutely insane. But as they were leaving, the kids were like, this was the greatest birthday party ever. And this birthday party was just run wild in the backyard. But I just think they have not had that outlet in a long time of like, there's no rules. There's no one, you know, telling them what to do. They just were able to run around together at recess at school. It's like they have to eat. And then the recess is very truncated because they don't really want blah, blah, blah. And this was outdoors and masked. And I basically, you know, they weren't wrestling, but I basically said like, listen, Go play. And they played, they made up games and they just played for 90 minutes and it was cathartic to watch. And I think that I need to find more of my opportunities for whatever my social equivalent of hitting my friends in the head with soda cans is, Amy. Let me give you a quote for this moment. Please. It's uh, by the author of the new book, Friendship in the Age of Loneliness. His name is Adam Smiley Pozwalski. I like that his name is Smiley, even though he's writing about loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. Smiley's in it. Yeah. His Twitter handle is like Mick Smiley or something. Anyway, he says, this is not related to the pandemic, but it is related to what you just said. He says, the road to loneliness is paved with comparison. The road to connection is paved with play. And I think that maybe, listening to what you're saying, this feels overwhelming, but for your kids, it was like, this is a game, or like, I don't want to sit in two chairs and talk, but let's sit on a wall and talk, like putting play and connection and secondary activities, and let's have poker night, and like, that's the way to sort of ease back into the world without it feeling overwhelming. Let's go do this thing together. Yeah. And finding things that you enjoy. But for me, a big part of it is just going to be like committing to doing it, because I am an extremely social person. I love socializing. I really like being in crowds. I love seeing people. I love everything about being around people. But I do feel like I am um, like, you know what I feel like is, um, you know, in The Little Mermaid, when she sh steals people's souls and they shrink down to like the little gray, like, or so that, like puts them in little like perfume bottles or something, right? Yeah, they're like a little tiny plant, like a sad little plant. Like, that's what I feel like. I feel like I have shrunken into tiny plant form, frowny plant, and that I don't feel ready to put tiny frowny plant on a train to the city for lunch. You have to do it. But I have to take my time. Yeah. I have to do both. I have to like take my time and also kind of make it an appointment thing of like, we're doing this. Okay. So we're doing this. Something else that feeds you in particular I think even more than it feeds all of us, but it feeds an extrovert like you in particular, Dr. Bauer, the loneliness researcher from Sydney, Australia. She said, this blew my mind to think about this. She calls them micro interactions, that what we've all missed out on in the last 16 months is just like, I don't know, shooting the breeze with the guy at the coffee counter, like without masks on. So you're not like, excuse me, what? You know, just that talking to people, you can't facilitate that. You can't bump into people on Zoom, right? That is my life force. That is my micro interactions are my lifeblood. 
They do. They feed you. Right. And they like they kind of, you know, up to a point they feed me and then I'm a little enervated by them and I got to go hide for a while. But we've all we all haven't had any. And I think like we're feeling overwhelmed, like, ugh, I can't go on the train to the city. I understand their resistance. I feel it, too. But the train to the city, you're going to talk to like the person at the ticket counter and they're like, is this seat taken? Like those micro interactions actually help us with our loneliness and isolation in ways we don't even understand. And all of them are taken away. Agree. That's a very, very good point. And I think the masks, listen, I'm pro mask. Keep your masks on, relax. But the micro interactions are really hurt by the mask thing. You know, even my kids school pickup is like, oh, hey, how you doing? And now the moms are, we're outdoors, we're spread out, people are starting to lose the masks to pick up. And you can have, I bumped into you conversation, which is much more pleasing to me than the idea of like, let's go out to this restaurant and all sit down, 12 of us. Like, that kind of interaction is not even as appealing to me, you know, especially I think that's right, where it's like, how you been? Like, oh, terrible, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That part of it does not seem appealing. Yeah, I've even missed my boys played a spring sport this year and standing on the sidelines with the parents. Again, it's getting better, right? But when the season started, we all had to stand certainly in order for the kids to play. Like We will all do anything in order for this sport to occur, right? So the kids are like running around on the field with masks on, which who, who would have thought that was possible? They play a 90-minute game, no problem. Parents are on the sidelines, also masked, six feet apart. But this is sort of like, hey, how you doing? Like, let's not even pretend that we're going to chit chat. It's impossible. No, you can't. Yeah. It's like, how are you? Yeah. What? Oh, how are you? What? How are you? Huh? Never mind. You know, like, and then, you know, so now it's like, oh, like things are changing. And then like some parents have the masks on and some don't. It's like the ones with the masks on. Like, are you guys, are you doing that for the kids? Or are you doing that because you're immunocompromised? Like, it's just charge and trying to read each other. Availability for chit chat is, yeah, it's harder. We've gotten bad at it. Complicated. And like, I have my mask off because I am vaccinated, not because I don't believe in the virus. <laughs> like, what's going on? I saw somebody yeah. who pointed out, like, I still carry the mask in my hand at all times to indicate that I am pro-mask, but I am vaccinated. Oh my God. Right. The signals we send each other. And yeah. then the last point I wanted to make about the micro interactions is that I'm going back to something that Dr. Marissa Franco said. She said, acquaintances equal resources, particularly for moms who don't work outside the home, right? It's when you bump into the person or you overhear the thing about the job opening or the babysitter who's really great and she's available on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You know what I mean? Like those things you didn't know you were looking for until you happen to bump into them or overhear them. Right. We've also missed out on those. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like I'm feeling like a little dissatisfied. I want to find some new meaning in my life. I want to try something new. But you don't even know what it is until it bonks you on the head while you're walking down the street. But we haven't had that either. Such a good point. Like you can't replace casual interactions with like, let's get on a Zoom. It's just they're not <laughs> equal right. things. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be right back and talk about this more. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. 
Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. And now, what type of post-quarantine mom are you? From the What Fresh Hell podcast. The amateur epidemiologist. Listen, the vaccination rates were looking good, but now we're sadly coming into a stage where you were hitting some vaccine hesitancy. So there's a question about whether we'll see the 1% transmission rate rise, in which case I think we need to scale back a bit on the indoor dining, even if we've had the second dose. But don't worry, y'all. I'm keeping an eye on it. The way too excited to get back out there. Okay, book club is back. I'm doing a Southern theme. We'll read Lonesome Dove, and I have a tiered menu comprised entirely of foods mentioned in the book. And then I was thinking girls' night, and what about couples' night? We should definitely do that. A trip. We need to schedule a trip. We need to go somewhere. The Not Ready Mom. You know what? I'm good with the mask. I think I'll keep it on. Oh, drinks? I don't think so. I'm going to hold off for now. You guys go ahead. I'm good here on my couch. The Day Counter. It is exactly 106 days until Broadway opens again. I will be seeing my first concert in 16 months in exactly 37 days from now. And it has been 452 days since I last ate in a restaurant. But that ends today. The mom who learned to state her boundaries during quarantine. Listen, you want us there? I want to see Vax cards on every invitee. And I won't be wearing heels. And get used to the sight of this pandemic belly because you know what else is out? Spanx. And do not sit me next to Aunt Marjorie. My tolerance for annoying people has not been built back up yet. The one who liked having all the kids at home, but is trying to keep perspective. I really liked having all the kids at home, but I'm trying to keep perspective. Of course, I'm glad the pandemic is over. It was a horrible time, but... It was nice having the kids at home. I mean, thank goodness it's all ending. But I will miss having the little ones around all the time. Just knowing they were all safe at home. If you excuse me, I'm going to go leave through their baby books for a little while. This has been What Type of Post-Quarantine Mom Are You? From the What Fresh Hell podcast. 
Amy, I think it's interesting that this idea of like being the unwatered plant, because one of the things I find is I think a lot of what the pandemic stripped away was like, it's an the absurdity of certain things, right? Like, oh, wait a minute. It suddenly seems ridiculous to spend two hours a day on a train going to an office building to do a job that I can legit do from my bedroom on a Zoom call. And like a dude tying a piece of cloth around his neck to indicate business status is bizarre. Like, are we going to still do that? Like, and a lot of the women at the wedding were like, high heel shoes. No, those are out. Like when you put those bad boys back on, it's like, why were we doing this? You know? Yeah. And I think that even though this sounds harsh and crazy, I think friendships have a little bit of that. Like, oh, wait, this seems crazy that we go and eat tacos and talk about our kids. I don't know. Like, I think there is a reentry to that that's more challenging than I was imagining. Yeah. And there's a reentry to like, gosh, I don't really connect with the third grade moms. It's just that we're third grade moms. I think like for us, we our friendships can be sort of we just trip and fall into them, right? Like, well, this is the brownie troop parents, so I guess I'll connect with them. And you might find your best friend for the rest of your life there, or you might have nothing in common with those four other parents. But for a lot of us, that was our sort of social circle. It was a little more happenstance. Yeah. And I think we forget the, because the feeling of being in company is very, um, it's like exercising. Like you forget how good it feels when it's time to put the spandex pants on, right? Like that's right. And I think that for me, I'm thinking of another example of my sister and our really great friends who we love hanging out with. And we have a little dinner club where we go to dinners together. Again, we've been, we're like, well, we can do it again. We're back and we haven't done it. Like, it's funny how I think it is a little bit like exercise. Like, Mm -hmm. well, I'd rather be on my couch, even though you kind of are like, I know I'm going to feel better if I go for a run. I know I feel great after. Right, right. But that barrier to entry is very, I have found it very surprising because I do think of myself as someone who on the spectrum of socialization is like, a 10 out of one to 10, if one is introverted and 10 is like socializing, you know? And it's interesting. I think that is the parallel is it is like exercising. Like, I I know it's good for me, but I'm pretty happy on the couch. I know I'll feel great when I'm done. Yeah. And I actually, I feel significantly worse just sitting on the couch all day. (laughs) And yet I don't exercise. Like, what is that? It's very interesting to me who's somebody I'd say like, I'm more like a five out of 10. Because you think like, oh, it's hard for me. But somebody like, if I was an extrovert, then this would be easy for me. Then I could just reenter and call people up. But, but no, all of us are sort of, how do I, what is this thing? We're all feeling that to some extent or another. I think it's inertia too. I just think once it starts rolling, it'll be like, hey, let's go to dinner. What do you got? And it's kind of like, it's also a funny thing where like the calendar is completely blank and yet... We're trying to make plans. My sister's trying to come out to visit. And I'm like, it's weird. Like between the four or five of us in the family, we can't find a weekend where everybody's free Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's funny. Like, it's like, wait, wait, what? Everyone's got one or two weird plans, just enough to kind of mess up the plan making, but not enough to, you know, have anything to do. 
I have sort of approach to this that I think you will like, because at the beginning you were saying how like you loved that wedding. I mean, you told us about it, that the, it was amazing, the best thing that ever happened. And now you're like, people are weird. Why would I go outside? You're having this react, this weird contraction. <laughs> that's so true. I'm having a, and I'm having like, that's a contraction is a good way to say it. Cause I feel like I'm worse <laughs> right. than before I went to the wedding. Right. Doesn't make sense. Which, why would that be? Like I saw freedom and now I'm like doubling down. I'm being a inside troll. All right. So Kate Veloss, she's Velociraptor on Twitter. Speaking of good Twitter handles. First of all, fantastic. <laughs> she has written a book called We Should Get Together, The Secret to Cultivating Better Friendships. And again, she didn't write this about the pandemic, but like, let's hear what she has to say. I think we all need a copy. I need two copies. Yeah. I think we should have her on the show, maybe. So she suggested in a Twitter uh, thread, which I'll put a link to in our show notes, that we should take part in what she calls post-pandemic friendship microdosing. Tell me more. I'll put the link to the illustration in the show notes, too. She actually like made a calendar. It's an imaginary calendar, right? Like Monday is see friends. Tuesday is rest. Wednesday is reflect. Thursday is see friends. Friday is reflect. Saturday is rest. So she says what she thinks will help all of us, because apparently this is universal, that we all feel a little weird right now, that you should set up very intentional doses of social time buffered by days on which you sort of reflect on the experience and integrate what you've learned and think about how you want to move forward, that you should give yourself the grace and space to take it slow. I mean, a little tweet tweet for me, frankly, but I like the general idea. Sounds like you're doing it anyway, and she's giving you permission to feel weird. My parallel is more the whiteboard. Like I need to, as I often say, I say to my kids like, okay, you can have screens in the morning, then it's free play, then it's one hour of reading, then it's help make lunch, then it's do chores. Like I need to start setting my weeks up that way. I know this for myself. I exercise if I say I exercise every other day. And the minute I let that go, I exercise none in a month. You know, I need strong parameters and I need to start saying like, I'm going to be doing one social thing with a person out of the week every day, not every day, one day a week. And then that white space, because you were saying like your summer, you know, you like, you like the little white space in the calendar. And I think we all do yeah. that. You can have that for friendships too. In other words, like it's okay that you don't want to be in the roaring twenties, you know, <laughs> Thing. Not quite yet. Not quite. Check with me in a year. I may be roaring, but let me give you one other tip on this. One thing that I have found really helpful in this journey for myself is right now plans. Mm. Are you guys free tomorrow to come over and have a barbecue in the yard? Like, are you guys free after school today to have your kids come over and play and we can hang out and have a tea on the yard? Like, that has been a helpful thing. Like for some reason, it's that planning things six days from now doesn't seem appealing, but I'm up for doing it if I don't have to think about it. So like, hey, let's do something tomorrow. You guys free? Or I ran into a friend at soccer and then it's like, hey, do you guys want to come over tonight and we'll grab pizzas? I like that kind of planning right now. That's a special kind of friend. But I think that right now, that it is an opportunity to have that we're all sort of like creating new routines. So people might be more available for that than you think. And a lot of people still don't have a right now. You know, back in the day, you couldn't really ever do that. People would always say like, oh, no, we have plans this weekend. Of course they do. Like everyone's always got plans. Right. It's lacrosse season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's lacrosse season or it's this or it's, um, you know, people are just busy. I mean, I often say to my husband, you know, whatever his parents want to visit. I'm like, great. We have a free weekend four months from now. The second 
you know, weekend of whatever that month is. And, but I do find that right now people tend to be a little bit more like, Hey, what are you doing right now? It's easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's less like anticipation. Yeah. You don't have the friction of like, but I would have to think about that. And then I would have to think about putting on pants. It's like, I already have pants on. I'll come over. We're having dinner tomorrow night with two other couples that we haven't seen enough of. And one of them is moving away at the end of the school year. So I'm really like looking forward to this six people dinner. Anyway, we've put it on almost like as a joke, put it on one of the dads to figure out where we're going for dinner. And, you know, his wife is like, he's overwhelmed. You should see him like shouting at the restaurants and the funks. We're like, you'll figure it out. Good luck. And he can't find anywhere to go because of course every restaurant is like super busy all of a sudden, but like it's overwhelming to this guy where we're going to go to dinner on Wednesday. But you know, I'm loving offsourcing that to somebody else and having somebody else worry about that stuff for a change. Yeah. I think it's funny how it does feel overwhelming. Like a plan that involves a babysitter seems absurd to me. Like, we'll call someone and they'll come to our house and watch our children in exchange for money? What? You know? They'll just sit there with them? Yeah, or I'll go get on a train. I can't tell you going down to this wedding how overwhelmed... I had like a 2.30 p.m. train. A train. It's not even like a plane. There's no security. You just have to get to the train station and walk on to the train. And truthfully, if you miss that train, there's another train. There will be another one at some point. You're not never getting to Zanzibar. And yet at about 10 o'clock, I have a kid who's like this. Like if there's a plan in the afternoon, he's just all day. Like, when are we leaving? Like He has to sit still on the couch. Like he gets completely overwhelmed by a plan. That, and that's how I was at a certain point. It was 2.30 train. I think we ended up leaving for it at like noon. I was like, I'd rather just be sitting on the platform because I can't stand worrying anymore about getting on the train. You've lost that, right? Like how much time do you allow for something like that? I've lost a lot of the, and I know how much time intellectually, but in my body, it feels very anxiety producing. I understand that. I know you do. (laughs) You understand me. That's why we talk it out. This helped me because I have been sort of beating myself up about not having been better over the last year. And I'm thinking of one friend in particular. I got to just text her because I'm like, oh my God, like what has been going on with this person? I don't really know. Like she lives very far away now. But I was just talking about how that shouldn't matter if you're a good texter. I don't even know if this person's a good texter. I talk to her once in a while. And I like, well, it looms so large that I haven't been a good friend to her. I, she's probably not spending much time thinking about that. She's definitely not. And it reminds me, there's a podcast I like, and they have a uh, a thing called Email Forgiveness Day or something. It's like Email Amnesty Day. And it means that they declare a day where you can reply to any email, no matter how old. Wow. So if you have an email for five years ago, I mean, I'm horrible at this, as Amy definitely knows, because she emails me a lot. Like, I see it and I'm like, oh, I'll write back. I do that too, though. Yeah. Of course, everybody does that with emails. But then, God forbid, it's an email that's like, I just wanted to say how much I appreciated your parent before they passed away. It's like, oh, my God, you didn't write back right away because you were overwhelmed at the time. It's fine. You can write back five years later and say, hey, I know this was forever ago, but I just wanted to say, like, thanks so much for reaching out at the time. It's email amnesty day. And I think we need to all give ourselves friendship amnesty. Like, it is the time to say whatever happened in the last 18 months is off limits for critique. Like, it's fine. Just check in with whoever you Mm. want. And don't feel weird. I mean, take it from me that this thing of, oh, my God, finally, hooray, let's get together. It doesn't quite work that way. Like, it's still going to be hard to make plans. And that's okay, too. 
it's zigzaggy too. Like you went to the wedding and you did have a great time. It isn't like I was worried about how to go and then it wasn't that great. You went and it was great, but the like, it isn't unidirectional. Like, and now I have shaken off this weird time. No, we, we're still in the weird time. We're still processing what was that. And, and so friendships are part of that. But it sounds like it's worth the effort to reconnect with those friends who really do feed you once you put on the spandex and go work out. Yeah. And fight the thing in your mind that's saying, that's telling you it's a dam. And that if you take one brick out of the center, the water's going to start rushing through and break the dam and then you're going to drown. Like you can still control how much you do. I think my mind tells me like, if I say yes to these three dinner plans, pandemic is over and I'm back to regular <laughs> yeah. life. And like, I have to fight the part of my brain that is telling me that like this is some rushing river and the minute I step into it, I'm going to be swept away. Like I have total control over the plans I make still. I can do what sounds good and say no to the things that don't sound good. And it's not that I think that crabbiness and angstiness is coming from my feeling of like, I like my cocoon and I don't want to be dragged out of it. Like no one's trying to drag me anywhere. People are just like, hey, you want to grab lunch? That's not so deep. Right. But I think my mind is tricking me into thinking everything is going to feel like waiting on a train platform for two hours because I feel like I'm scared to miss a train because I don't have that callus <laughs> yeah. built up anymore of like, you know how to get on a train. Yeah. This is like wearing your sandals or like your summer shoes in the first, you know, in like May and the tops of your feet. You always get like blisters and stuff in the tops of your feet when you put on your summer shoes because the tops of your feet don't know how to have be holding your shoes on anymore. That's what this is. I'm a little thin-skinned. Amy, I'm just one big top of your foot. That's what I am right now. Please be the top of my... And I've got to build up my summer <laughs> shoe blisters. It's true. Oh, we solved it with that incredible metaphor. It's true. It's going to be fun out there, but we don't have to feel great about it. We can take our time. We can feel all the feels. Solved it. Guys, we would love for you to give our podcast a rating and review. If you have already given our podcast a rating and review, you could head over to Toddler Purgatory and give them some love too. But the reviews and ratings are how shows get found by new listeners, and it really, really helps. So please consider it. So much helps. And come join us on social media. You guys know where to find us. It's everywhere. Search What Fresh Hell Podcast and you'll find us wherever you like to be on the internets. And uh, I hope you have fun getting out there and being as social as you care to be. Like all you care to eat, it's as social as you care to be. I'm going to start texting people. Thanks for listening. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.